what is up y'all my name is Kristen. my name is sarah and welcome to the red rum and red wine podcast And we're back with my delayed episode that has been a case that's recommended by someone. So, (laughs) (laughs) thank you to that person for the recommendation. And I'm sorry to y'all for it not being out like two weeks ago as originally planned. Yeah. Here we are. Life Life is weird. Mm -hmm. Anyways, today I will be talking about the Elliott family murders. And trigger warning, I guess I'll go ahead and say that now. Obviously, as I mentioned, is a family massacre. And so it does involve some brutal killings involving children as well. And later on, we get to the topic of pedophilia. But I'll give another trigger warning later. So I got a lot of this case was kind of hard. There wasn't a whole lot out there on it. And most of my information I got from an interview done with the author slash reporter George Jared. Sorry, mm-hmm. I just found one of those pimple patches on my chest that I put on like two days ago that I guess I <laughs> forgot about. <laughs> Ow. That pimple is gone by now. <laughs> he wrote a book called Creekside Bones, and he discusses a handful of murders in that book, including the one I am discussing today. And so in the interview I listened to, he goes kind of in depth on what he discusses in the book. So Mm -hmm. I didn't read the book. Y'all know me. But if y'all want to read it, Creekside Bones. And the interview was on a show slash podcast called True Murder, The Most Shocking Killers. Ooh. Yeah. So for this, we are in Dalton, a small rural town in Arkansas, northern Arkansas. It's very beautiful, you know, as I mentioned, rural, so it's beautiful. It's also historic. It has a sparse population, and it's like part of the reason why it's historic, I guess, is where it's located. It's Um, located on 11 points river but apparently it's situated in a way where it crosses where the river crosses I think with other rivers or something like that and it makes it as mentioned difficult for like law enforcement to go in and out of Mm. so because it's so rural and sparse it's kind of a convenient place to live if you are in the drug trade perhaps (laughs) Not really where uh, I would expect one to, I guess, like, have drugs. I don't know. Breaking Bad really stigmatized me to certain areas. Yeah. No, yeah, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. I think every state has those kind of areas. One little area, probably. Like a little crack den (laughs) per county. (laughs) 
especially oh my god because like think here because like well here san antonio here because it's a big city yeah well you know everywhere in san antonio yeah but like but there are certain rural areas that may be more prominent in certain drugs because there's nothing throughout everywhere i mean they're in texas they're in oklahoma they're in new mexico they're in california they're in tennessee they're in kentucky they're in alabama they're in florida for sure i'm not gonna name all 50 states but they're in frankly because i can't name them all but yeah frankly because (laughs) fuck that on the late nights of july 30th 1998 a thunderstorm raged throughout dalton arkansas At the home of Carl and Lisa Elliott, a Randolph County Sheriff's deputy responded to a call regarding the home of the Elliott family. The caller stated that there was hollering going on. The deputy, there was mixed reports on what exactly happened, Mm -hmm. um, but basically I read that he knocked on the door and there was no answer, but then I also read due to the the storm he was unable to really approach the home whatever it may be he didn't get an answer or he noticed no strange happenings Mm -hmm. and so he left because there's nothing unusual happening he left without conducting a welfare check valid i mean i guess well I don't know. I just uh, was listening to a Crime Junkie episode where she was, like, talking about the police going, making assumptions really easily. And um, I can just so easily assume that a thunderstorm or if it's, like, storming outside, that hollering can easily be passed off as, like, oh, that's the wind or, oh, that's just, like, something got knocked down or it's not, like... I don't know, maybe a small fight, but if as soon as I approached the house, there was nothing there. It's just, I don't know, if there's not, like, blatant. Yeah, I mean, all it is was him making his own uniform and justified decision. And um, in retrospect, Probably when you find out one. what happens, it's <laughs> like... Maybe he he should have tried a little harder, but it, at the end of the day, it's not his fault. So, anyways, the Elliott family consisted of 30-year-old Carl Elliott, 27-year-old Lisa Elliott, his wife, 8-year-old Felicia Elliott, and 6-year-old Gregory Elliott. And, Kristen, there's a picture of the family when Felicia and Gregory were babies, it's funny how that stash has made a comeback. <laughs> it never <laughs> left. Lisa's father and her stepmother actually lived in a trailer right next to or like right behind the Elliott home. The next morning of July 30th, 1998, Lisa's stepmother woke up and opened the front door to go outside. But... The front door wouldn't open. Something on the other side of it was jamming it. It was Lisa's body. Randolph County Sheriff Rob Samons 
would later testify about responding to the phone call that Lisa was deceased on her stepmother and father's front porch. Because obviously her, her stepmother would like see that it was Lisa blocking the door and she called the police. So God. Sheriff Sammons went to the Elliot's home and didn't like see anyone there at first. You know, no commotion, no movement. Mm-hmm. Sammons said, quote, I knocked on the door. It was open about six inches. It was extremely quiet inside, but I could hear the television on. End quote. Ooh. Samens drew his weapon and entered the home. And this is when he saw six-year-old Gregory's body on the living room floor. Inside the home, he also found blood in the dining room and kitchen, as well as a pool of blood in the kitchen. And toys, such as a children's telephone, had blood splattered on it. Samens found Lisa Elliott's body on her stepmother's porch, as stated, after he made his way behind the Elliott's home. So I think maybe they lived more behind the Elliott home. Like, were they able to get out of their trailer? Did they have to wait until the cops came? I'm not sure. Oh, that is terrible. Getting certain details for this, you know, just kind of what happened was kind of hard. And so major details I just don't have. There was also a bloody handprint that stained the window of Virginia Miller's. And sorry, I didn't get Lisa's father's name, um, Mr. Miller, mm-hmm. of their the window near their front door or on their front door. There was a bloody handprint. Mm-hmm. The summer of 1998, so previous to all of this happening, Carl Elliott, who was a carpenter and mechanic, was said to have been hanging out with the Green family. The Green family was notorious for being involved in the drug trade, trafficking drugs, um, making drugs, all that. So it was said that Carl may have been involved in a little bit of this. Mm. The Greens lived nearby, the same town. The patriarch of the Green family, Billy Green, was like a major drug trafficker, and he actually cooked meth. Oh, shit. Carl was apparently friends with Billy's eldest son, Charles, a.k.a. Chad Green. Mm. He obviously, or not so obviously, I don't know, was also heavily involved in the drug trade with his father. So when Carl's hanging out with the Green family, it's kind of expected or suspected or assumed that it's drug-related. Something happened in the summer of 1998 that caused a rift between the Green and Elliot family families. The rift between... The families was bad enough for Carl and Lisa to become very afraid and they felt very threatened by the Green family. Mm. The Elliots actually started sleeping with baseball bats under their bed because they were so scared. Oh, shit. Did they tell the police about any of this? Probably not. And, um, 
when you hear about some theories later as to why all this happened, uh, they probably wouldn't want to go to the police because they would maybe implicate themselves oh. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, on the stormy night of July 29th slash 30th of 1998, the Elliots were getting ready for bed when there's a knock on their front door. Carl gets up, answers the door, and it's Chad Green, his good old buddy. Chad said that his truck broke down about a mile down the road, and um, he needed some help, man. Carl puts his shoes on, and he gets in his Thunderbird to give Chad a ride over to his truck, like I said, a mile away along the 11 Point River. Carl and Chad get to the riverbank where Chad's truck was. Um, It was kind of like, you know, a riverbank sandbar type thing. No one knows exactly what happens next. Other than Carl was shot twice in the head and thrown into the 11 Point River. Carl's Thunderbird returns to the Elliot home and Gregory Elliot, his son, saw or heard the Thunderbird pulling up and he ran to the front door to greet his dad back home and, you know, he was just completely unaware of the brutal attack that was about to happen. Mm. When the front door swung open, the murderer immediately, trigger warning, crushed Gregory's head like an eggshell. What the fuck? Oh my god. A tire tool, a tire iron was used for this. The tire and iron was then jammed down Gregory's throat. Obviously killing him. Gregory was left bleeding out in a pool of his own blood on the living room floor. His mother, Lisa, heard the commotion, all of this happening, and ran into the living room to, you know, see what was going on and try and save her son when she did see what was going on. Unfortunately, she was overtaken, and the murderer bludgeoned her 27 times with the same tire iron. Which is kind of insane, because she's... 27 years old and you know that means nothing but my mind just kind of connects those dots sometimes there is sorry there's like um god i don't remember oh it's the candace movie or it's like the show on uh hulu or whatever but when the husband finds out that his wife has been murdered and he finds out like how many times she was hit and he goes out and like goes with it's a hammer in the show and like even tries to do like over 10 swings it was so exhausting and so hard for him to do so it just like i don't know shit like that i'm just like the effort and Mm -hmm. like the like you you were putting a lot of effort into 
27 blows when they're well, yeah. probably already dead within the a first five. A lot of five. us would say it's overkill. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> mm. The killer would then make their way to Felicia's room where she would be hiding under her bed. The killer set the tire iron down and leaned it on the floor kind of against a stack of stuffed animals and left it there while they grabbed Felicia, wrapped her in a blanket, and took her. The killer, or killers, we don't know really, are getting ready to leave when they see something moving in the front yard. They're like, what the fuck is that? It was Lisa. <gasps> I was Mama was she... not dead after <sighs> 27 blows to the head or oh body. God. Fucking act of pure like desperation and survival. She had probably you know lost consciousness for a little bit i assume maybe not but she woke up or she got up and climbed out of a kitchen window and was attempting to crawl literally crawl to her parents trailer for help Mm. she gets to their front door When someone comes up behind her, slashes her throat, making her bleed out and drown in her own blood. On the front, at the front door of her parents. Yeah. What the? You don't really know how to fucking recommend a case. Oh my God. As I mentioned, Lisa's body wouldn't be discovered until the next morning when her stepmom, Virginia, right, Virginia, when her stepmom attempted to open the door to go outside. Initially, Carl was the main suspect for the murders of Lisa, his wife, and his son, Gregory, as well as the assumed kidnapping of Felicia, because at this point, they are both gone and missing. Shit. And there but, was, like, no evidence that Felicia was harmed in her bedroom. Like, right. there wasn't There's any no blood, blood or anything. Yeah. Um, just the, the murder weapon that was left. So, just a few days later, though, on August 1st, I also read August 2nd, so I'm so sorry. I don't know. Carl's body was found floating in the Eleven Point River. His wounds would point to him being murdered. Because obviously I said, like, he was shot and thrown into the river. But police at that point didn't know that. So he quickly fell from being their top suspect very quick. He was like, okay, he was murdered too. What the fuck? But Felicia is still nowhere to be found we don't know where felicia is and And Kristen, we have the picture of her and what was the point of taking her so like was that the whole bit was to get her and if so like why do you have to involve the other kid like just fucking or yeah 
I mean, I'll definitely go over motive and theories later because although this case does end up getting solved, it's still, there's been a lot of questions left unanswered. Fuck that, man. Although Carl was suspected, um, police definitely had their other suspicions as well as to who could be other main suspects and members of the Green family were definitely identified as possible suspects from early on. Unfortunately, there is very little DNA or and or forensic evidence at the crime scene, and so this gave police not a whole lot to go off of. The tire tool or iron used to bludgeon Gregory and Lisa, as I mentioned, was left in the home, but there wasn't other than their blood, there wasn't any other kind of evidence mm. on it beside it being a piece of evidence itself. So yeah. police knew that Carl was involved somehow to some extent with the Greens and their drug business. So police would interview the Green family, and I think it was mostly... Billy and Chad, but Billy also had a second son that um, was maybe involved to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. Billy and Chad are, are the main characters here. So the police would interview the Greens several times on the topic of the Elliot murders and Carl's involvement with the drugs or whatever. And this would happen over the span of a few years, one to two years, because this murder is going unsolved at this point. But nothing could ever be pinned on the Green family. Nothing ever happened. Also, over the span of a few years, investigators would continue to question the whereabouts of Felicia. Of course, we haven't forgotten about her Neither did they, although I couldn't get much details on what they were doing about locating her. Oh, damn, you know? not gonna lie. I forgot about her for a second. <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know if they organized. Year? Yeah, like, close to two, yeah. Damn. So, I don't know what kind of investigation they did into her whereabouts, but I, um, yeah. I hope they didn't forget about her. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, oh, again, it was this fucking crime junkie episode. Read the most disturbing thing that in some states or, I guess, counties, as soon as that missing person turns 18, they'll just get rid of the record. Because it's like, oh, they're an adult. They don't matter anymore. I'm like, "Uh, what? Until September of 2000. A hunter who remained anonymous came across human remains in the creek bed of a remote area just a few miles south of the Missouri state line. Mm. The remains were identified and confirmed to be eight-year-old Felicia Elliott. No further details on how she died or her cause of death were released other than her remains were consistent with being deceased for about two years. Damn. She was obviously decomposed, and so who knows 
what could have been confirmed anyways. Um, whatever was found or confirmed just wasn't really released. So It's just, what was the point of removing her from the home? Like, it... I don't know. It doesn't seem like they really were in that big of a rush to get out of the house, so... Well, you'll see. Finding Felicia was huge. Obviously, in the sense of finding her and getting closure of, you know, finally knowing where she was or where she had been. But, unfortunately, it didn't lead to really any new clues as to who the killer or killers were. And it didn't lead to catching them really any quicker But in a small place like Dalton, Arkansas, stories and rumors, you know, that small town talk is bound to spread. And boy, do the stories get out. Mm -hmm. Eventually, police catch wind of said stories and rumors about how the green boys and men, I don't know, were involved in the Elliott murders. And they only kind of back up the police, police's suspicions or theories about the Greens being, you know, involved. But with so little to go off of, stories are just stories. You know, there's nothing they can do about stories and <laughs> no evidence. Yeah, and, like, they've already interviewed the Greens Several thinking times. that they were suspects. So it's not like they can, you know, interview them and try and trip them up that way because right. clearly it would have happened by now. Exactly. What they needed was something groundbreaking and probably a whole lot of luck. Which they ended up getting, actually. Thank God. Five years later, exactly to the day of the murders of the Elliott family, July 29th, 2003, Mary Green, Billy's former wife and matriarch of the Green family, so Chad's mom, Mm -hmm. Came to police and confessed what she knew about the crimes and murders to police. She probably felt guilty as fuck. I don't know what happened to make her do that because um, at the time of the murders, you know, her and Billy were still married, I'm pretty sure. And so I don't know if something happened with the divorce and she was bitter and she just went to rat them out. Who knows? Probably. It's the day of that always gets me because there's like fucking like did she plan that? We don't know. Well, there's that one condition where it's like if you've had something traumatic happen to you, people like on the anniversary of that event will have like panic attacks. They'll fucking freak out randomly on that day and like that day alone. And it's just like tied to that event. So I'm wondering if like every year she just like broke down a little more until one year she's like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And she just ratted. I don't know. Just because it could be anything you're married to a piece of shit doesn't quite make you a piece of shit, though. Probably should have said something like five years ago. But (laughs) hey, at least you're saying something now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Better late than never, but usually you should just go ahead and do it uh, right away. (laughs) Yeah, and this is the only time we'll tell you to talk to the police. 
Mary would share things that Chad had told her about the murders, as well as things that Billy had said either to her or around her. Chad and Billy were arrested because of her confession on four counts of capital murder and one count of kidnapping. Billy's second son, Jason Edward Green, was also arrested for two counts of hindering apprehension um, because I think, you know, I read some testimonies that I didn't really include in my notes of people saying that he, like, he knew about the murders and that he maybe helped up helped out with them after the fact Hmm. and didn't necessarily take part in the murders but yeah guilty by association sort of thing accomplice after the fact yeah yeah but with his case i know very little about like what ends up happening with him because Mm -hmm. like i said chad and billy are kind of the main characters although this dude does exist so Police immediately had the goal of turning Chad against his father, Billy, when they were arrested. So their goal was to make Chad a witness for the defense or for the, sorry, for the state. Mm -hmm. And they did this by offering Chad a really good, for the circumstances, uh, plea deal. Mm -hmm. It was basically if you testify against your dad, uh, you'd only be sentence like 39 or so years for the murders and then he also had an unrelated sexual assault against a child charge that they just threw in there and apparently that alone could carry like 50 years so i think with his plea deal all of those charges he would get like 39 40 years because he's probably looking at life or like possibly even i don't know if they do death but if they do they're probably looking at it for this case yeah um so needless to say chad takes the deal (laughs) (laughs) sorry dad So his father, Billy, goes to trial in 2004, or it might have been 2003, and it ended in 2004. Again, conflicting dates. Anyways, Chad indeed testified against his father, and Billy Green was convicted of four counts of capital murder and one count of kidnapping on May 21st, 2004, and was sentenced to death. Damn. He went to death yep. row. Yep. His son Chad. did not want to do that. So, no. sorry, daddy. You got to go. Bye. <laughs> Chad was sentenced to about 40 years as a part of his plea deal. Um, again, I think I read like 39. I don't know. And so, after this, in people's eyes and everyone's eyes, the case was over. It was done. Everyone's happy. Until a few years later in 2006, Billy gets his case, his charges and stuff overturned and appealed. The state Supreme Court overturned his convictions and granted a retrial with the ruling that improper testimony was allowed in his first trial. For this go around, Chad said he would not testify against his father 
Um, and this was a big, like, WTF for investigators or detectives. Because it's not like you can go back it's, and change his sentence. Yeah, you. it's not your decision oh, to make at this point. Oh, that's so fucked. And it's mm. like they can't use his testimony from the first fucking, oh... They right. really need to make a clause. There needs to be a clause in there. Well, I don't know how they pulled this off. I mean, maybe it makes sense to other people. but Some law students. Detectives threatened to charge Chad with the original charges that he kind of got away with from the plea deal. Yeah. But Chad's lawyers tried fighting that, you know, saying that it would be double jeopardy. But detectives ultimately got their way. Chad not testifying at his father's retrial violated his plea deal. And he was basically like they said if he didn't agree to the plea deal, if he violated it, which meant he didn't agree to it, that basically means that it doesn't exist. Damn. Making double jeopardy not apply. So much law going on, my brain hurts. Like, I'm... Don't gl- ask me. I'm Somehow, glad. Some way. I mean, like, part of me is glad because, yeah, that makes sense. Like, if in circumstances like that, like, you need to still be held accountable because you literally committed a terrible fucking crime and are now potentially like when I don't even know when probation is for a 40 year sentence, but you can potentially spend half of that in jail and like, no, you should rot. Yeah. I mean, I think it would, I think it was without parole, but regardless, who knows? They always say that and then they end up fucking getting out somehow. Yeah. So for the second trial, which now involved uh, both Billy and Chad. So Chad didn't take the plea again? He's like, no, nah, just charge me? He did not testify against Damn. his father. He would not. So but Chad I wonder what changed trial. his mind. I don't know. You would think that it would be like the opposite. Because, like, why do you suddenly care about your father? Hmm. They wrote notes to each other. Right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only Maybe thing I can think of. dad became like the king of the pen. <laughs> they found God and now you can't oh, do God. that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the second trial, again, don't know. It was like either 2011 or 2012, I'm thinking. Again, maybe started 2011. So recent. Ended 2012. Maybe not. Yeah. It's hard sometimes with the information I get. I can't pay for special access of uh, fancy resources. So buy us a coffee. Uh. Buy us a coffee. Or a beer. Or a a resources. Or a information. Mm. Money is information. So as far as motive goes... Prosecutors were able to prove that Chad had a bigger part in the murders of the Elliott family than maybe originally thought. Yeah, he did. Yeah, bitch. 
Originally, police kind of thought Chad was guilty, of course, but that he followed along and did everything that his dad, Billy, who was the mastermind, told Mm -hmm. him to do. Um, And this was when they were thinking that the motive for the killings maybe involved um, money and theft that was going on. So... An acquaintance of Lisa Elliott, Dwayne Cromie, testified that two months before the murders, Lisa had asked to borrow $10,000 to cover a bad debt owed to the Greens. Damn. And I was going to ask, was there anything found within the home that was rather suspicious like paraphernalia wise or no i didn't read anything about and i couldn't find crime scene photos although we get a small description of some um all that was read that I, that was that i read mm-hmm. <laughs> was that um the small bit that was described about the bloody toy um and but they were like involved the with the greens yeah so it's kind of assumed that carl i don't want to assume he did drugs he could have sold was them, probably going on but like usually um you're dipping into your stash like it's very rare when you meet like a sober drug dealer or like at least like weed but oh yeah like when you're selling meth and you're not doing it yeah well maybe it's pretty common with meth i don't know you i I don't know it's just hard there are especially if you are a parent struggling you know i'm sure drugs the financial relief that selling drugs the quick and easy relief that it can give you is very tempting so who's to say but yeah and who knows if they really did have this big of a debt to the green family or if they just needed 10k yeah i mean regardless not worth killing a family over yeah Dwayne Cromie would also say how Lisa said she was scared to death of the Green family. Cromie said the reason that he waited until the second trial to share this information with police was that he was scared out of his mind for his family's safety. He, he yeah. too, was very scared of the Green family. Because if they didn't go to jail and they got out then yeah Yeah. he's like person person number one that they would probably go to full body is covered in targets oh my god but prosecutors proved chad was definitely more hands-on uh and basically held the motive himself alone a man named philip darren shockey testified that the family, Elliot family, was killed because Chad Green had sexually assaulted Felicia on <gasps> several occasions and her parents had found out about it. Oh my god. 
and now it makes sense why she was taken it definitely seemed likely for uh, a likely possibility for chad to be the one to decide to kidnap felicia because like i said he did have that previous charge for sexual assault towards a child and it was towards an eight-year-old girl so same age as felicia so why would the husband fucking get in the car with chad if not to fucking i would have like i would have not helped you get your car i would have fucking beat you up for knocking at my front door after finding out what you just did to my daughter like ooh. well again this is a guy's testimony so it's it's definitely just a version of a story we're hearing um but it turns out to be right it's something that seems credible but it's hard to prove yeah and so anyways aside from that billy green was a sophisticated criminal he i guess he kind of knew what he was doing he had police scanners and radios that he always monitored he had informants that he paid off for information and maybe like protection as well or who knows um and so with all of his criminal ways the bad things he had done he had no known history of pedophilia like would he kill someone yeah maybe but would he kidnap an eight-year-old girl like probably not yeah and so it just kind of made um the theory of of chad yeah just a little stronger Mm. felicia being taken was crucial because it seemed to be a big piece of motive Maybe not the full or complete motive for all of the murders, but enough. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like, you, it really doesn't seem like, even though a cop fucking went to check and didn't even really disturb. So he could have had all night and to the next day to, or the next, like, early hours of the next day to do whatever he wanted It really is odd for him to choose to take Felicia out of the home, especially when everyone is dead. Like, no one is going to disturb them. Ugh, disgusting. There is also a path behind the green home that leads towards the area where Felicia's remains were found, which was only half a mile away from the green home. Anyways, back to Philip Darren Shockey's testimony. Philip Shockey shared a bunk or cell or whatever with Billy Green at the Arkansas Department of Correction in 2008. So this would be after the appeal was made, but they're still awaiting their retrial. And Shockey would basically get an earful of information from Billy. There, as I said, wasn't really a way to prove all of this was true because it's basically Philip Shockey's word against Billy's. But a lot of what Shockey shares and testifies to lines up with what we do know about what happened. So 
I don't know. It, I kind of wouldn't doubt what he says, but. Yeah. Apparently, Billy told Shockey that Chad lured Carl, lured Carl Elliott to the Eleven Point River that night during the storm and shot him. Shockey said, quote, he said Chad went to the Elliott house and killed the boy, hit him in the head. He said Chad stabbed the mom with a knife, then took the girl, end quote. Trigger warning. Shockey said the Greens kept Felicia trapped inside a barrel-like trash can for two days, securing the lid with thick elastic cords. I read in one article that on some days it would be as hot as, you know, 100 degrees outside and she'd be in there. With this, it's also said that Felicia was repeatedly raped by Chad. Shockey also shared how Chad Green decided to kill Felicia on August 1st, 1998. Just, like I said, a few days after she was kidnapped. Shockey said, quote, Billy said, all good things got to come to an end. And then he said he carried her to the woods. He said the last thing Felicia said to him was, please don't hurt me. Mm. The medical examiner slash coroner that testified at trial, Dr. Frank Peretti, said that both Lisa and Gregory Elliott were bludgeoned with a tire iron. That was like definitely the co- the. Murder weapon, sorry. Mm -hmm. Lisa Elliott, as I said, took 27 blows to the head, but that is not what killed her. Her throat had also been cut, which left a three-inch deep cut to her throat that severed her windpipe, carotid artery, and jugular vein which caused her to drown in her own blood on her parents' front porch doorstep. Six-year-old Gregory Elliott died from nine blows to the face, head, and chest. His injuries were consistent with the tire iron as well. He also had a broken jaw and several knife wounds. And so... You know, I read an article about the tire iron going down his throat, and I'm not sure how true that is. Mm -hmm. But regardless, the crime scene photos that were shown in court were described as a bloodbath. The living room, the kitchen, it was covered in blood. 30-year-old Carl Elliott died from two gunshot wounds to the head. One of the shots was behind the right ear, consistent with the barrel of a 22 caliber gun being pressed directly against the skin. The other was a shot under the left eye that came from a distance. He also had some cuts or like knife wounds on his neck. The medical examiner also said that the remains of eight-year-old Felicia Elliott 
were consistent with someone who had been dead for two years, but there was no way to determine her cause of death or if she had been sexually assaulted. You know, as I mentioned, that much decomp, um, certain tests can't be run, certain things can't be determined. I'm sure her bones can be looked at for any kind of, you know, stuff. But whatever they did find wasn't released, so. Mm -hmm. During the second trial, it is also revealed that Chad had actually previously confessed to the murders. Previously, as in before the first trial of his father, before he got offered the plea deal. He stated that he was at fault for the murders, that he acted alone, and so Billy, his father, had nothing to do with it. He wasn't involved. He apparently made this confession to an attorney and a private investigator, but this information or confession was never divulged during the first trial, (laughs) and I'm thinking it was because of the plea deal that was offered to him, Mm. so... Who knows? (laughs) Mary Green, Chad's mom, testified in court as well. Um, But she seemed kind of like she was trying to minimize Chad's involvement in the murders when she testified. Prosecutors asked Mary if she ever asked Billy or Chad what happened to Felicia. And she said no. And then when asked why, she cried and said she didn't want to know. So in her gut, she knew probably it was something bad, which is kind of fucked up. But she came off. Love your kid that much. Yeah, (laughs) she came off on the stand as very uh, traumatized, but also credible. I don't know. Although Mary wanted to protect her son, she backed up the fact that Billy had gotten a phone call from Chad the night of the murders. Apparently, there was a phone call that Billy got the night of the murders. And after receiving the phone call, Billy told Mary he had to go clean up a mess. So that phone call doesn't just state that Billy's involved, but it states that Chad did something alone and then needed Billy's help. Mm. So she was trying to protect her son, but she pretty much just implicated him right there. Yeah. In my opinion. (laughs) Several people, I don't know who, apparently also testified in court that Chad had in fact been responsible for making the decision to take Felicia. But then he apparently fell in love with her as he held her captive for those two days. Hmm. It was also said that under his father's orders to kill Felicia... Chad would refuse due to his love for her. Again, I don't know. This is all weird. It is also... So, people apparently testified for that. I don't know. But it is also a theory that Billy killed Felicia 
as soon as he found out that Chad had kept her. It is said that when Billy found out Chad about Chad taking and keeping Felicia after the murders, that he took her down to the riverbank and slit her throat and threw her into the river. Damn. Which, in my opinion, kind of le- uh, lines up with what Philip Shockey said, because he said something about Billy carrying Felicia into the woods or to yeah. And, and so it would I'm make like, sense as to why Chad would testify against Billy in the beginning because he's pissed at his dad for killing yeah. this eight-year-old fucking girl that he decided to rape and keep. Yeah. What the fuck? The retrial of Billy and Chad Green resulted in Billy being sentenced to four consecutive life sentences and 40 years for the kidnapping of Felicia, and that is without parole. Mm -hmm. Chad Green was sentenced four life terms in prison, 40 years for the kidnapping of Felicia, and 56 years for raping two young girls in an unrelated case. Oh. So it wasn't just one child sexual assault charge. Yeah. My God. Okay. And that is also without parole. (laughs) What the fuck? And again, I'm sorry, not sorry, not really sure about the second green son. What was his name? Jason or something. I really don't know what happened with him. And then Kristen, I included um, a photo of Billy Green. His, His name is actually Bill Green and Charles Chad Green. And those photos were taken, I think, during their initial arrest in 2003, so they're a bit old, mm. but the photos, so they're actually younger in the photos, they're old now, but... Gross. So just Gross. to end off a little bit on George Jared's theory on what happened, so the author of Creekside Bones, his theory, because he attended... Um, like all of the trials, he was there for all of it. He, as I mentioned, is not just an author, but a reporter as well. So he, he really, he got to interview Chad and, and he actually said Chad seemed pretty like innocent and it was weird, but I didn't want to get too much into that. Um, so his theory is that On the night of July 29th slash the 30th, Chad was driving around that night in the storm doing God knows what. His truck broke down by the river. You know, I think his truck did actually break down. Otherwise, he wouldn't have, or, you know, he wouldn't have continued driving Carl's Thunderbird for so long. But anyways, he walked up to the Elliot's house to ask Carl for help. Carl drove Chad back down to his car, where they likely consumed drugs together. Chad apparently had a habit of taking out his gun and shooting at people whenever he was high. And when I say high, I'm pretty sure we're talking meth. Like why would and weed? But I don't think they're just stoned on weed. I think. Weed does um, not make me feel that way. Yeah. What the fuck? 
why is he known for this like that means that that's such a fucked up thing to be that known means for. multiple times yeah like he's multiple had multiple times. accidents for sure so apparently you know he was he was doing this and he accidentally shot carl Mm-mm. in a panic and realizing kind of what he had done and realizing that he fucked up carl decided to shoot him again to make sure he was dead i think and then dumped his body into the 11 point river and then what just decided to kill the whole rest of the family for shits and gigs Chad knew Lisa was expecting Carl to come back. They were getting ready for bed, you know. She And he knew that Lisa had just made Carl a cup of tea before bed, you know, right before Carl left to drive Chad to his car. So knowing this, Chad returns to the Elliot home to slaughter the whole family in order to protect himself and the green name. I don't know. He took Felicia for his own sick reasons. And and again, this is George Jared's theory. So George believes that Billy at least wasn't at the Elliot home for the time of the murders because he doesn't think Billy would be okay with Chad taking Felicia. Like if Billy was there, he wouldn't have let Chad take her. And not really due to the absolute horrific nature of the crime, but basically because it would further further implicate the Green family and tie them to the murders if they Mm -hmm. take Felicia. So he doesn't believe Billy was the mastermind and maybe only helped Chad after the fact to cover up the mess that he made. The tire tool that was used to kill Gregory and Lisa, or bludgeon them, as I mentioned, was left at the home in Felicia's room, I believe, which is kind of sloppy, which George Jared points out because he mentioned how Billy was this mastermind criminal and he wouldn't leave you know, he wouldn't leave a murder weapon behind. So this, again, points to Chad. And that's George Jared's theory. Um, Another theory that I guess I didn't really mention was um, along, it kind of ties into the theory of the Elliott family getting murdered because of their debt to the Green family. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Rumors say that Carl may have stolen a handful of marijuana plants from the Greens. Mm. And, you know, I think it was said at the time that each plant was worth a thousand bucks. Damn. And so a handful of them would have, you know, been a lot of money. Yeah. And so that was another theory, but um, that's kind of as far as it goes for possible theories or motives unfortunately we'll never know exactly what happened to carl down by the river to felicia that night or and or the following few days um you know well it'll always be a mystery although this case is solved uh convictions have been made there are some serious questions and mysteries still about yeah. And which fuels more theories and stories about what could have happened. Mm. 
I don't, well, I don't know. To me, it does not seem accidental. I feel like that is, that is a very horrible killing for it to be just like yeah, night of I mean, casual it's like, deciding. Yeah, I don't think it took out a whole major family. planning, but I think it was spur of the moment. But because the families were so familiar, I, I think it there was passion involved. And so it made it seem like it had been almost like fantasized about before. A lot you of, know? yeah, a lot of events like leading up to, I guess, the boiling point where the Green right. family just finally snapped. Like, what the fuck, though? What the fuck was this case? Yeah, so that was the case of the mm. Elliott family massacre, the unfortunate um, kidnapping and murder of their daughter, Felicia. You know, um, it just, her kidnapping and all of the theories that surround it really adds another element. Um, and it's insane because the story in the Creekside Bones of her murder or of her family's murder, she's referred to as like the girl in the barrel. And I Googled that when I was trying to find information and it is, that was a bad idea because do you know how many murder cases yeah. and stories there are of girls or oh, women God. in barrels? A lot. Way too a many. A shit ton. Way too many for me to be comfortable with. That is it, just... I like I just I didn't even scroll down I just saw that the full page was full of like a different story each link and I was like nope okay bye that's yeah, good to me. you know not keep going in mind down this trail tonight I do mm -mm. not feel like crying nope oh my god I was entirely not drunk enough for this episode but yeah thank you, I guess <laughs> yeah saying. well Thank you to our listener for the recommendation. It feels yes. so good to say that. I know. Who would have thought? Not not me. If anyone else would like to recommend cases, feel free. We'll we'll definitely um, we take consider them. it and like really would like to do that mm -hmm. kind of thing. More so. of them. Well, until next time, guys, I got to go get <laughs> hammered. <laughs> I'm going to go forget everything that you just told me right now, because what Yay. the actual fuck? I'm going to go maybe pick out my next case. Mm. Like, follow, subscribe. Give us five stars. It really helps the show out. Give us a little comment. Buy us a coffee. Yeah, or wine or beer or anything. White Claw. It goes to necessary expenses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at r-a-r-w podcast or send us an email if you want that recommendation suggestion to give us or if you just want to say hi red rum and red wine podcast at gmail.com all right guys I'm, oh my god i'm just that is so sad what the fuck if this is what we're being recommended that is I like know. one of the harder ones that you've done i know Eesh. And it was hard not only because of the brutality, but lack of information out there, really. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just fucking suck at researching, but I'm also, like I said, can't afford to pay for Yeah, they really shit. fuck you over with those things. But 
there are definitely some cases out there that you really only find like one to two articles. That's kind of how it was with the Pride family that I had just mm-hmm. done. Really not that many. And yeah, like the one or two that is available, you fucking have to pay for it and I'm not doing that. Mm. Are we still recording? I'm sorry. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>